Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, joining you in this ongoing battle against fear. Our world gives us plenty of reasons to feel afraid, but you know what? Our God gives us even more reasons, more convincing and proven and powerful reasons to live in peace. You and I are not helpless and defenseless orphans left on our own in a harsh and unpredictable world. We're sons and daughters of Christ, the ultimate promise keeper who has promised to remain with us, watch over us and sustain us. And our God always makes good on his promises. Today's guest, author and speaker, Christine Brown, has learned how to fight her anxiety and fear with truth. And she's going to be sharing some of what she learned with us. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Jennifer. Glad to be here with you and your Faith Over Fear listeners. Christine is a ministry wife, mom, stepmom, and Mimi. She's a former chronic warrior, and she loves connecting women today with women of the Bible and sharing a message of becoming more than ourselves through God's word. At her website, morethanyourself.com, she is the author of the new release, Cinched, Living with Unwavering Trust in an Unfailing God. And any given day, you can find her texting her young adult kids, checking on her neighbors, or searching for a new way to cook broccoli. Christine and her husband live in East Texas. Well, Christine, I love how you called yourself a former chronic warrior. I can relate, although I still have times when I fall into that fret too much, pray too little trap. And whenever I let my mind wander down those what if trails, I can get kind of in a mess, but I'm learning to stop my anxious thoughts mid-flow and to reroute them on truth, to reflect on God's heart, his power, and his promises, which is what we're going to be talking about today, how to increase our peace and our faith through the promises of God. But to trust those promises, we first must know and trust the promise maker, correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct. As we come to know the Lord and his promises for our life, and as we study more from the Bible, we learn that the fact that God is trustworthy is part of his character. There's verse after verse in the Bible about how God is trustworthy and how he wants us to trust him. But I like that he also gives us stories of ordinary people like you and me and shows us how he was faithful for them and we can gain inspiration and hope from their stories. So what's one story in particular that really resonates with you when you're kind of dealing with maybe doubts or, or fears or wondering, can I really trust God to be there for me? Jennifer, recently I realized that I had been living in this perpetual state of feeling frazzled and I wasn't quite sure why. And I was at church one day and I was fretting once again, over a problem that I had prayed about just the week before and crying out to God and asking, why can't I seem to give control to God? Why can't I let him handle this? And I remember feeling that I needed to learn to trust him more. And at the time I was studying uh, one of my favorite women in scripture named Rahab. Some people may recognize Rahab's name as the woman 
who was there when the Israelites were just on the verge of finally entering the promised land. They had been led by Moses through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses had recently died, and now Joshua had taken over control. And Joshua had sent two spies into Jericho. This was going to be their very first battle. And Rahab was the woman who hid the spies that came into Jericho. And her story spoke to me because when she talked with the Israelites, she said something that was key in my own journey of trust. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land. And Rahab's story can be found in Joshua chapter two, if anyone would like to look that up later. And it's verse eight where she said, I know the Lord has given you this land. And those two words, I know, really struck me because when we come to know who God is, we begin to learn his character and his promises and that he is trustworthy. You know, I think that's significant. Jericho was an area where they worshiped a lot of false gods. And for her to know about the one true creator God, you know, I've always wondered like what stories came into Jericho that did she hear about the 10 plagues in Egypt when God rescued his people from 400 years of slavery? Did he, did she hear about the parting of the Red Sea? Maybe when the Israelites were trapped by their a raiding army on one side and then a, a body of water on the other, and God made a way. You know, did she hear about all of these, maybe everything, how God provided for them in the wilderness journey? It's interesting to me, she knew of God. And yet, then I think by the end of her story, I think she knew him on a deeper level. I agree. She went on to say, after she said, I know the Lord has given you this land. She says, we have heard. And those three words struck me as well because travelers would come and go through the city gates of Jericho. So certainly she had many opportunities to uh, hear those stories of how they had had victory over the kings of Sihon and Og or parting of the Red Sea. And I've often wondered too about some of those stories she heard. But then she went on to proclaim her belief saying, your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. And I love that such a powerful verse. And then she takes one more step that I think is sometimes hard for me and for us in our journey of learning to trust God more. She took action based on that faith. She said, give me some guarantee that me and my family will be spared. And sometimes that's a hard thing for me to do. I like saying the words. I like proclaiming a verse, but when I feel God prompting me to do something or follow a call that he has and a purpose for me, it's hard for me to know what to do. I often look at the worst case scenario and I have a difficult time trying to decide how to move forward. So sometimes taking action doesn't mean actually doing something, but just resting in knowing that God is trustworthy and he is faithful and he is going to be with us through our circumstance and whatever that is, which for Rahab was a very difficult circumstance. Her, her home was about to be overtaken and certainly she and her other townspeople had no idea that the walls of Jericho were going to come down. You know, I like what you said that she took action based on what she had heard And that actually took a lot of risk. Like if she had been, she basically 
hid the spies that were coming to conquer her nation. And didn't the authorities suspect that she had done that? They did. And she lied to the king, which for the day where they lived would have had possibly dire consequences. And I think about in that situation, what I would have done, would I have second guessed my decision? Would I have backtracked and realize that it might be dangerous for me to do this. We don't know if Rahab questioned her actions, but we do know that she moved forward with obedience because when the two Israelite spies said that they would give her that guarantee, our lives for your lives is how they put it. They told her two things to do. They asked her to keep her family inside of the home And these two Israelite spies also asked her to tie the scarlet cord to her window so that they would know that that was the place where they would need to go return for her and bring her and her family out safely. And they did. And they did. Uh, Joshua remembered Rahab in chapter 6 as the walls of Jericho had fallen and he calls his people to go in and take the land he reminds them to go in and get Rahab and her family. And the Bible tells us then that Rahab lived with the Israelites from then on. What an example of faith. And really, our salvation has always been about faith. She put her faith in God's rescue and that scarlet cord represents Christ. And so basically she was, because of her faith, God showed her mercy and compassion and brought her into a community, which is what happens with Jesus Christ. And I think it's such a great, I think probably that moment when she experienced God's power and protection for herself, his faithfulness for herself. And then I think she went from having heard of God to having experienced him personally. She discovered just in a deeply personal way, a life-changing way, the faithfulness of God. And the great news is God's faithfulness to us, it's not dependent on our faithfulness to him. Thank goodness. It's dependent on the faithfulness that Jesus displayed on our behalf when he died on the cross. And we see this throughout scripture, but one of my favorite examples comes from the story of Abraham. And I just want to pause. The reason that's so important for us to remember is that just gives us that that level of peace, no matter what's going on, that God's faithfulness to us is not dependent on our perfection, which is just really good news. It's dependent on his grace. And again, we see this in the story of Abraham really clearly. So he was the man called out of a pagan city to go to a land that, quote, God would show him. And when we read his story, we might initially conclude that God blessed him because of his obedience. God told him to leave and he went. That's absolutely true. But God's promise of blessings in Genesis 12, it has no conditions attached. We don't see any if you, then I statements. And in fact, when we get to Genesis 15 through a dream that would have had deeply symbolic meaning related to covenantal customs and contracts of the day, God basically told Abraham that he alone would fulfill both parts 
of the covenant, of their agreement, of, of their covenantal relationship. And this was a foreshadowing, a promise of Jesus, the one who perfectly fulfilled our part of the covenant, which we could not do, which is to love and honor God so that we could receive in return God's covenantal steadfast love. That's true, Jennifer. I like what you said about God's faithfulness is not based on our ability to be perfect because we do falter. One of my favorite scriptures, one that became very real to me through a recent health crisis that's related to this was Hebrews 10 and 23 that says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering because he who promised is faithful. And I love that the author of Hebrews said without wavering. And that struck me as very real in my own life because I do waver. There are certain areas where I realize that I struggle to trust more than others. And at first, as I started wanting to learn to trust God more, I thought, if I know the Bible says that God is trustworthy and I believe what the Bible says, why do I still struggle to trust him? And I realized it may be in a certain area or a certain place or a certain time in our lives that could trigger uh, feelings of vulnerability and questions in our minds. Like you mentioned earlier, those what if questions that happen, some of us may struggle to trust God more in areas related to our job or with our family or our children. For me, I realized that there was a certain time of day that I felt most vulnerable to those worrisome thoughts that would come in. And it was early in the morning before I ever opened my Bible, before I turned on the light, before I even opened my eyes, I would start thinking about the same problem that I had just prayed about the night before. If I have something going on during the day or a difficult decision I was having to make, I would pray, ask God for his peace so that I would be able to rest. And I feel as if I was making progress in that and God was giving me his peace and giving me the ability to rest well, but then I would wake up in the morning before I realized it and start rehashing that same problem again, start thinking about the worst case scenario, the worst thing that could possible happen or different avenues or how I should handle it. And when I started realizing that that was the time that I was most vulnerable, I could recognize that and then find a promise of God in his word and make a transfer. When I realized it was happening, replace those worrisome thoughts with one of God's promises. And one that I liked even before I studied it and learned what was the story behind the verse, I was really drawn to Lamentations because it talks about the morning so often. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, where Jeremiah says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. That thought that his love never ends is amazing. But then it goes on to say, his mercies never cease. They renew every morning. They are new each morning. And I love the fact that when we falter, that each morning when we wake up, we have his mercies that we can call on again and again. We know God is faithful to us when we mess up because of Christ's faithfulness. 
but he's also faithful to us when we suffer the consequences of other people's behavior, which seems to be what, what was going on with Jeremiah. And when life feels really hard and, and like, we're kind of, when we feel like we're in a circumstance beyond our control and that maybe we didn't create, it's really easy for our fears to begin to rise up. And Jeremiah provides such a good example, both of being honest with our struggle, being completely authentic with, with Christ and really with ourselves with uh, regarding our fears, but then making that, like you said, that, that mind shift. And so a little bit of backstory through Jeremiah, God had just urged consistently for generations, his people, his rebellious and idolatrous people to repent, to turn to him. And through his obedience, Jeremiah had suffered a great deal, actually a lot of persecution and through it all, ancient Israel refused to listen. They forsook God. They demonstrated that they didn't want a relationship with him. And so eventually God gave them what they wanted and he removed his protective hand. And as a result, the people were conquered and taken captive by the Babylonians. And as you can imagine, this was an incredibly dark and frightening, tumultuous period for the nation of Israel. And one where the people Jeremiah included, when we read through Lamentations, felt abandoned by God. Lamentations records his emotional anguish and distress. Now I'm going to read a few of the verses just from chapter three, which is the surrounding context of what you read. And he said, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again, all day long. And then later he said, he has walled me in. So I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my pass crooked. And honestly, there are times when we all feel that way, like the world, like even God himself has turned against us. And so what do we do in those times. Well, like you said, we follow Jeremiah's example. We remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. He has promised to be faithful. And this is what Jeremiah continues. He said, then I recall to my mind, this is verse 21. Therefore I have hope the Lord's loving kindness indeed will never cease for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And you know, that word loving kindness in the original Hebrew, it's hesed. And we don't really have a word that has the same meaning. And so our Bibles will translate it a lot of ways. It Sometimes it's translated like here, loving kindness. Sometimes it's steadfast love. Sometimes it's mercy. And really it's all of those things. It's, it's God's steadfast, covenantal, faithful, never ceasing, merciful, pursuing, loving kindness. I like that you read those verses just before, because I think it gives us such a clear picture of the anguish that Jeremiah was in. The New Living Translation in verse 20 uses the word awful. He says, I will never forget this awful time. And when I read that, I thought we can relate to that so much. There are times in our world where something is just awful. And I love that he had the freedom to be able to say that and then yet still have hope. So to me, that gives me hope because whatever difficult situation I'm going through, I know that I can still trust that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. I mentioned before that 
when I was going through a health crisis, that was a difficult time where I was trying to really learn how to trust God more through that every day, every moment going into the battle. And there was one particular day that I remember clearly because I was getting ready to have a test called an MRI. Some of the listeners may be familiar or they, they may have had a situation where they've been in a, a test where there was uncertainty and they weren't sure what they were going into. And in this particular test, it was an imaging so that uh, they could get a picture of the cancer inside. And as I was being wheeled forward into this small tube, the technician performing the MRI said, do you have a fear of confined spaces? And I never really thought about the fact that I had had a fear of confined spaces. I did never remember being in a very confined space, but immediately his words brought in some fear in that heart racing and that feeling of panic as I was moving into that tube. And I started saying over and over again, I know the Lord is with me. I know the Lord is with me. And I knew I had read that somewhere, but in the moment, I couldn't recall the scripture reference. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you, but I was trying to call on a scripture that would bring in some peace in that moment. And all I could think was, I know the Lord is with me. And later I learned that that was from Psalm 16 and eight, because I looked it up, but it goes on to say, I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. And I had to smile even in the middle of my fear. I thought, okay, Lord, we're going into this small tube and no one else is going to fit in here, but you and me. So I'm glad you are right beside me. But just the thought of that verse helped me to really sense God, his presence being there with me in that moment. And I could start to recall little bits and pieces of verses that would speak peace in that situation. And I could just feel myself resting in his voice speaking to me, my peace, I give you my peace, I leave with you and those things. And even though it didn't change my circumstances, when I came out of that tube, the technician apologized to me and said, I'm sorry that you were in there so long, we couldn't get a clear picture. And I didn't want to have to leave you in there for an hour and a half. And I didn't even realize I had been in there for an hour and a half. To me, it felt like about 15 or 20 minutes. And I truly feel that it was focusing on the promise of God's presence that helped me overcome that fear in that moment. You know, and I think that's really important because God's promises, so they're, they're not dependent on our faithfulness. They're not dependent on other people's faithfulness and they're not dependent on our emotions. And so, you know, you went in with fear and you focused on truth and that's important for some of our listeners. If you have for example, general anxiety disorder or OCD or bipolar or depression, a lot of these challenges, your feelings a lot of times will wreak havoc and, and they can lie to you and they can make you think that, well, I don't feel God's presence and therefore he must not be present or or you can, you can begin to think, well, I've messed up. I should have more faith. I've heard women say that I should have more faith. Therefore God's upset with me and, and he's removed himself from me. And that's when we have to remember our feelings are valid, but they do not determine truth. And scripture promises, Jesus promised, 
I will not leave you as orphans. Lo, I am with you till the end of the age. So numerous times through scripture, God makes that promise in the Old Testament again and again. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's repeated again in Hebrews. And then you had quoted Jesus's words, you know, like my peace I give to you. And that whole night, so that was spoken, that was, I believe, John 16, 33, if I'm, I might be mistaken on that, but John 16, And that whole night that was on the night before he died. And so his disciples probably felt alone and abandoned and terrified and confused. I'm I'm sure they felt a lot of confused because Jesus was known for speaking in word pictures. So I'm sure they didn't know what was word picture and what was truth. But Jesus repeated numerous times that I'm going to be with you. Remain in me. I will remain in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit. I will come to you. It's like he just said over and over and over, I am with you. And I think sometimes, especially if we're in a really hard place to not beat ourselves up, not condemn ourselves for our struggle, because Jesus meets us in our struggle, but instead just to continually, even if we have to do it a hundred times in a minute, just shift our thoughts to, okay, yes, I feel this. But this is true. God is here. And when you were talking about really resting in his presence, I was thinking about Psalm 91, where it says, if you, if you rest in the shadow of the almighty, basically, and just that picture of God's love encompassing us. Like, that's kind of what I thought about when you were speaking. Mm-hmm. I would also just encourage listeners today, Jennifer, I recently had someone ask me as we were talking about this very thing and talking about how when those worrisome thoughts come in, we need to make that transfer and we need to hold on to those promises from the Bible that God is with us and that his love is faithful, his mercies never end. And she asked me if I ever got to the place where I didn't have to keep doing that, keep transferring those thoughts over and over again. And the truth is, I don't know if I ever come to a place where I would stop doing that. I think it gets easier with time. The more we focus on God's promises, the more we learn scripture and learn about it through Bible study and how it applies to our lives. I think the more we can recall it in those moments And when we identify, like we said before, those times or those areas where we struggle and practice identifying those and calling on those verses and bringing those to mind when we need to. And the more we transfer those thoughts, trading those what if questions for living in the truth of God's word, I think the easier it becomes. But I would encourage listeners to think of that as a daily practice that we can continue on in our lives. Absolutely. And Holy Love Ministries does have numerous Bible reading plans on the YouVersion app. So one of them is Faith Over Fear. I would encourage you to grab that. And then we have two free Bible studies that you can find on the Holy Love website, W-H-O-L-L-Y.com. That one is Unshakable, Unbreakable Joy, which I would encourage you to grab that. And I want you to tell us briefly about your resources as well. And then maybe we can just share some ways that women can find, men and women can find find those promises if they're kind of new to the faith or to scripture. I think that's a, that's a, 
excellent point because we need to have scripture readily available to us. I do have a digital download on my website, christinebrown.net, where uh, subscribers can download a list. It's called 100 of God's Promises for Your Unraveled Heart. And it's based on just times in my life that I felt unraveled, that I felt like I wasn't uh, completely living in the peace that I knew was possible through Christ. And it's a simple list of scripture references that readers can look up on their own. I also have two short five-day email studies based on women in scripture. One is based on Rahab, who we talked about today. It's called Walking with Rahab, a five-day challenge for better decision-making. And the other is called Walking with Hagar. And so if listeners were interested in something like that, they can subscribe to that as well. Yeah. And we will put Christine's links on the show notes. So you'll be able to find them there. And really, we would just encourage you, the more we know truth by reading our Bible and then really kind of taking those away, those truths away with us, holding on to them and then reminding ourselves of truth during our times of fear and especially remembering God's promises. And specifically, we can trust that he is faithful. He's proven himself faithful again and again. And he's faithful to us when we mess up. He's faithful to us when others mess up. He is faithful to remain with us. He will never leave us. And those are such comforting truths. We also, if you would go back to the very first episode of this podcast, where we just unpacked a lot of God's character traits, a lot of truths that we know about him and how those are the best ways, knowing those truths are the best ways we can fight our fears. So that's episode one. Make sure you, you go back and listen to that. Thank you so much for listening. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. I enjoyed our conversation so much. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. We hope that today just gave you some nuggets to kind of hold on to, to help you in your ongoing battle against fear and and pursuing peace. And if you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe. Then you won't miss a single episode. We would love it if you would rate it. That helps others to find it and it encourages our team as well. Make sure to share it with your friends. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com. Or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.